Hello, and welcome back to our Global Tech Swamp podcast. Uh, in honor of Cybersecurity Awareness Month, this episode features two representatives from App Association member companies Kavu and Quoka. Their cyber and scrum insights led to an amazing fireside chat hosted in partnership with the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, earlier this month, where they explored the biggest threats facing small businesses, what measures should be taken to mitigate vulnerability, and how technical frameworks like Scrum can help put people at the center of cybersecurity. But before we hear from Chris and Nikos, we have our host and friendly global podcast team here today. Hey, Anna. Hello. Hello. Good to have you. And Brad, how is it going? Hey, it is going. Love, love to hear that it is going. Uh, and Caitlin, <laughs> what's up? I am, I am still global membership chillin. Global membership chillin. That's what I was hoping to hear. Um, and of course, <laughs> um, and of course, I'm Alex. Um, so before we get into uh, cybersecurity stuff, we are going to talk through tech history and the top global tech headlines. October 23rd, 2001, 21 years ago this month, Apple announced the release of the iPod. Uh, it was marketed as a breakthrough MP3 music player that packs up to 1,000 CD quality songs into an ultra portable 6.5 ounce design that fits in your pocket. Um, the OG iPod sold for $399. The iPod was discontinued in 2022, and by that point, it had gone through 26 different models, including the iPod Shuffle and iPod Touch. I still have an iPod Classic, very important to me personally, and somehow it is still alive. Um, and the rest is tech history. And now on to Bites and Brews. Anna, Brad, and Caitlin, what are the top tech headlines? Keeping it on brand with our Cybersecurity Awareness Month theme, I have a roundup of some timely EU cyber updates. So first, the EU has seen some of the most consequential cyber attacks in recent history, and the Council is acting to improve general cyber hygiene. Member states approved Council conclusions calling to strengthen the security of information and communication technologies. This call for action aims to address public procurement and foreign direct investment screening frameworks and is also a first step to address threats of unwanted strategic dependencies in ICT supply chains. Second news item is that the German Interior Ministry fired the, uh, the country's head of cybersecurity and launched an investigation over allegations that he may have been in contact with Russian security services. This discovery and firing came after a satirical TV show highlighted his past business ties with a former KBG employee. Fun fact, I watched that TV show. <laughs> um, and third, speaking of cyber attacks, state institutions in Bulgaria were hit by a cyber attack this week, believed to be executed by actors in Moscow. The attack began over the weekend and has affected websites of government bodies like the Ministries of Internal Affairs, Defense and Justice, and the President and Constitutional Court. For more on this EU cybersecurity update, head to the show notes. As folks in the EU settle into rulemaking this fall, members of Congress in the U.S. have slightly different priorities. The midterm elections. This means not too, too much is happening on the Hill as far as legislation like a federal privacy bill goes. We have, however, seen movement around crypto and the U.S. Treasury Department. Following President Biden's executive order this year on ensuring responsible development of digital assets, 
The Financial Stability Oversight Council, or FSOC, a regulatory panel comprising uh, top financial regulators, recommended that Congress pass legislation addressing risks digital assets pose to the financial system, including bills to bolster oversight of crypto spot markets and stablecoins. The Council's report also includes several recommendations for legislators that they create a federal framework for stablecoin issuers to address market integrity and consumer protection. We'll keep you posted on this in future episodes of TechSwamp. And as we mentioned in the last episode, the European institutions recently adopted the Digital Services Act, otherwise known as DSA. And as of last week, the DSA was officially signed by the Czech Minister Minister for European Affairs and the President of the European Parliament. As a reminder, the DSA is a new European law that aims to create a safer online environment by defining clear responsibilities for all online intermediaries and platforms. While the DSA's single set of EU-wide rules are applicable and will make compliance easier for small businesses, they're also going to have to carefully consider new provisions while developing and placing apps on the market. And as far as the DMA goes, on October 12th, it was published in the official journal of the European Union. The DMA will enter into force on November 1st, 2022, and will apply as of May 2nd, 2023. We're going to be sure to keep you posted on the latest movements and updates on all the activity around the DMA and the DSA. And in the meantime, you can head to our show notes to learn more. The Biden administration is taking the next step towards ensuring that underserved small businesses and community lenders can reliably access the resources necessary for success through a series of programs and funding. This public-private sector initiative, called the Economic Opportunity Coalition, aims to invest billions of dollars in underserved communities and small businesses emerging from the pandemic through programs at the Small Business Administration and other relevant agencies. The SBA's objective for this policy change is to grow the number of lenders that receive its loan guarantee, thus increasing small business lending, particularly in small dollar, smaller dollar and underserved markets, where borrowers are most acutely shut out of current lending. To learn more about this program, head to the show notes. And that's all for What's Brewing. And now for our fireside chat. Hi there, and welcome to See Yourself in Cyber, Cybersecurity Basics for Small Business by Small Business. My name is Leanna Wade, and I am the Public Policy Associate at ACT, the App Association. In celebration of Cybersecurity Awareness Month, the App Association joins the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency and the National Cybersecurity Alliance and leading a collaborative effort to raise cyber safety awareness nationally and internationally for small to medium-sized businesses. Roughly 43% of cyber attacks are aimed at small businesses, but only 14% are prepared to defend themselves. Not only can a cyber attack disrupt normal operations, but it can cause damage to important IT assets and infrastructure that can be detrimental to the resilience of the small app developer community. Today's fireside chat will explore the biggest threats facing small businesses, what measures should be taken to mitigate vulnerability, 
and how technical frameworks like Scrum can help put people at the center of cybersecurity. We are privileged to have speakers who are both experts in this field and App Association members take us through their experiences. Nikos Kiordis is co-head of research and development at Quoka. Quoka prioritizes proactive mobile app protection through app vetting, regulatory compliance, app security testing, and much more. And Chris Sims, who is the founder and CEO of Kavu. With over 20 years of programming and 16 years of project management experience, Chris leverages his mastery of agile philosophy, scrum methodology, and mentoring techniques to build collaborative and creative project teams that are empowered to deliver dynamic cyber solutions. So without further ado, I'll pass the mic to Chris to kick off this conversation. Thank you, Liana, and excited to be here today with Nikos. Uh, it's been fascinating to get to know him over the last little bit. Uh, Nikos, why don't we start? Talk a little bit about uh, talk a little bit about your perspective working with small businesses. Uh, why do small businesses need to care about cybersecurity? It's often when we're small businesses or a startup, we're worried more about are we building the right product. And, and oftentimes, cybersecurity is not something we really think about. Uh, talk about why it is actually important for us. Yeah. Sure, Chris. So basically, when you're a small business, one of the things that you have a problem with is that you have a small team at some point. So you start with a smaller team. You want to build a killer product. You want to get it out as fast as you can. So your 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 income, your revenue stream is might be not existing at this point so you're trying to get all these things done at a very short period of time so it's only natural that you will try to cut corners wherever you can one of the problems that definitely small businesses don't take into account is uh, budgeting for a proper and secure architecture of the products that they want to develop and deploy this might not be a problem in the beginning as the company is small but definitely as the company evolves organically grows this might be a problem later on. This will be a problem later on. So one of the things that is definitely overlooked is how, how do you enforce secure coding practices, um, some uh, build, uh, reproduce build workflows that are potentially in the cloud or local that can be audited, you can spot bugs easily. How are you going to be outsourcing your development into other teams because your team is small enough at this point that you can't really afford hiring everybody for every single uh, component you want to deploy to develop things like that i'm pretty sure that from the uh, devsecops courses that you give a lot of people don't give consideration to these items i, I don't know if you have any uh, example to provide for people that for people that come to you for, for specific training on that yeah you know with devsecops and scrum uh these are terms that often i see all the time companies are just not thinking about uh, small businesses, they're in, they're trying to build their app, they're trying to get just a grasp on the basic fundamentals of just running a business and, and surviving to the next day. I know I've definitely yeah. been there uh, mm -hmm. as a small business person. Uh, and we hear terms like DevSecOps and we hear terms like Scrum, and those are things for big companies, or we'll think about that one day. Uh, you actually told a story the other day that I thought was... Um, I mean, it's the kind of story that I've seen time and time again. I probably made similar decisions, uh, but one that would keep me up at night. Talk a little about the experience. You were talking yeah. about a company that was building an app that outsourced it yep, yep, and yeah. on someone else's so, problems. So that was a few years ago. 
So basically, we're talking about a company that wants to build a mobile application. Now, a little bit of context here. When you're building a mobile application, you need to take security a little bit more seriously because what you're dealing right now is the user's data, your user's private data, because this application resides on a user's phone, which is a very personal device. It can potentially have access to their contacts, their calendar, their location, all these things that are very private to the user. So what this company did was that they wanted to, um, regardless of what the actual product is, they used, they outsourced the development and the other group we're using third-party frameworks that facilitated the communication with certain private resources. For example, they only needed access to the user's calendar at this point. Now, the framework they used, though, enabled access to also record audio and location and other things. It was like an umbrella framework. It was a third party. I don't. It was an open source offering that they used, and they delivered the final product to them. They came back to us to audit the resulting application before submitting it to the app stores. And we uncovered all these issues that the X application can potentially access more things if the um, if the code is exploited or if the the developers do not put the proper measures there to enable or disable that or just be transparent to the user as to what this app is doing. When going back to the code, of course, natural to the developers, this couldn't find where this is handled because that was actually from a linked component. This basically enables them into uh, will give them a, this is a supply chain attack at this point. If this other open source project changes a maintainer and some malicious actor takes control over it, because that's a very lucrative target, the top open source components that are used throughout you know, many deployments are the number one targets for hackers. Then at this point, they could inject their own malicious code that has not been audited by either the developers or the parent company at this point. And you're having foreign code in your product that is deployed in millions of devices through the App Store. Reaching, uh, accessing very personal data and potentially, I don't want to get <laughs> into that actual trade in order doing all sorts of things that you don't want to deal with. It's a nightmare at this point. Yeah, so, yeah, so mm -hmm. a well-meaning small business, a startup, a company that's trying to uh, just solve the next human problem, all of a sudden you become subject to someone else's bad practices or someone else. Exactly. Uh, and even there's yeah, a third party there. So it wasn't mm -hmm. just your per company you outsourced, but it was who they outsourced part of their work for, where they got part of their code. Uh, now there's this, this set of code. exposures, places that hackers can get in, bad actors can get in, and all of a sudden you're exposed to a lot of potential negative things that maybe your app doesn't even mean to do. I mean, you know, maybe your app doesn't need to record audio, and all of a sudden, exactly. because you have this platform, uh, you're unintentionally doing something. So as a small business, that that seems daunting and overwhelming. If I'm trying to start up something and now I've got to worry about that, uh, what are some tips and tricks that you might recommend to the next small business that's looking to do something so that they can avoid these pitfalls and build something that yep. is more secure? Mm -hmm. Sure. So first of all, when building a mobile application, because we discussed this right just now, the, both Google and Apple have extensive documentation and best practice about how to go about creating, uh, accessing private resources. So that should be the number one resource that everybody's turning to. Aside from that, and in a more general sense, when you're deploying a new software product, you probably want to scale it at some point. You're a small company, you might have an on-prem installation that you offer to, um, to your clients. Later on, as you organically grow, you will have to move it into the cloud, into a cloud setting. 
a good security practice here is to always test the cloud deployment because that's a different scenario at this point. The environment is not the same. Uh, network latencies, uh, data transfers are different. This could have undesirable effects. Uh, also, the uh, security assumptions that you make in an on-premise deployment is different from a cloud offering. How your services communicate with each other is not the same. How, how you will end up exposing them, I mean, between each other is not the same as you will have to do in the cloud. So you will need to make sure that you do this from the very beginning to save you a lot of headaches later when you have to pretty much redesign everything. But aside from that, uh, make sure you audit your code as you are for code quality. A good practice, a good security practice, which fits well into the DevSecOps SecOps pipeline is to uh, audit it regularly with every commit using a number of tools that are there. For example, SonarCube is one of them, which is an open source version of it. It gives you code smells, it gives you potential vulnerabilities, bugs, anything that you can detect. If if you end up getting binary um, deliverables from another team where, because you outsource them, then make sure that you there's also tools for that. For example, our QMAS solution that I mentioned does that. It audits the final product right before submission to the App Store and gives you a number of security vulnerabilities, potential weaknesses in the code, and pretty much anything that is wrong with it. So yeah, you need to make sure that you do this every step of the way. And of course, budget for a proper and secure architecture from the start. I know this is, I can't reiterate this enough. I know this is also something that not a lot of people want to invest in, but you need to get things done right from the very beginning. If not, it will be much harder at scale later on. Yeah, that's that's a good, very good point. This is something you need to care about from day one. Uh, because, you know, ideally you're building an app, you're building systems. And even if you're not an app company, you're not building uh, mobile apps or something that's going to go out there. Most companies I've ever worked with nowadays have some level of code or software or something that needs to be customized to help their company run and be efficient. So every company on the face of this planet is now an IT company and has this perspective. And if you build your infrastructure uh, on a weak, sandy foundation at the very beginning when things start growing all of a sudden now you're faced with the fact that either you can't grow or as you grow you're exposing people to more threats more issues and you have to go rebuild things which can slow you down slow down your ability to grow and even hurt your ability to uh scale and move that but the cool thing about the way engineers have worked today and you mentioned sonar cube is a great foundation it's not a difficult thing to go implement no. something Sonar cube and begin scanning from day one. That's something that is very approachable. Uh, with all the work that's been done out there to build secure frameworks, to build secure cloud infrastructures, it's it is actually easy to have security be the default of how you're writing code. But you have to think about that up front. You have to include that and think about kind of in the DevSecOps pipeline. One of the things that uh, we coach and teach a lot and kind of scrum and DevSecOps. And, and while they're not the same thing, you really can't do one without the other. Uh, DevSecOps is this concept of when you're writing a solution, you're thinking about how it's going to operate. You're thinking about the impact and the exposure and you're connecting that operations, security people, the developers into a team and having them work together and think through security up front, operations up front, uh, and you're not throwing things over the wall. And that's really important but it's much easier to do that now because of tools like SonarCube. Uh, the OWASP top 10 is a really good set of resources. Mm -hmm. You can go uh, open source, easy to find that gives you a list of the kind of vulnerabilities you need to be checking for and building. 
but considering how you're going to operate, where you want it to go up front, so you're not stuck with um, an oh crap moment. Oh crap, what do I do now? Or even worse, we've outsourced it and now we have these exposures and vulnerabilities. We can't even get our app into the app store. Or the absolute worst is we've got it to the app store and now we're uh, in the front news front page of a the next data. data. Uh, and that can kill companies, kills companies all the time that go into that. So what are some of the tools and other kinds of best practices we need to be considering as a small business today so that we avoid that moment in the future? What are things you've seen in your experience? Yeah, so um, as I said, <clears throat> using um, that's this basically dovetails on what you have said, Chris. So people really don't understand what DevSecOps is compared to DevOps. They might think it's the same thing. They right. don't really, they probably invest more into the CI CD pipeline, you know, to, for a continuous delivery. They want to get things out fast rather than get them out in a secure way. So, that being said, aside from SonarCube, a number of cloud, um, a number of um, services like GitHub, for example, or GitLab, enable you to have a way to automate your builds in a secure environment in the cloud, aside from doing it locally. This is important because at this point, when you set up this build workflow um, in a declarative way, it's better to be audited. Uh, all the assumptions that you make on your local development machines or wherever that is, is gone right now because you're building another environment that's not compromised, it's a clean one, so nothing is injected. You can make sure that nothing is injected there. All your secrets management needs to be on point. Any specific access tokens or API keys should be in place. You also have the capability to protect them from the eyes of developers that should not really have access to it because they just work at another layer. For example, this could be the app signing keys that you use for distribution. You don't want anybody stealing those and impersonating your identity and potentially repackaging your apps or whatever that is that you are signing. Now, this is very important because once you have your code in a pipeline like that with a secure workflow, which are more than, which is not just GitHub, for example, then you can make sure that you can audit it and it's not tampered with. Aside from that, there's other, um, I wouldn't call them tools, there's other guidelines that you can follow. For example, if you are developing containerized applications, which you probably should because that's the way of the future and that's what everybody has been doing it and deploying them using a container orchestrator like Kubernetes, there's a great resource by CSNNSA, which is a Kubernetes hardening guide. It's a very lengthy read, unfortunately, as all cybersecurity documents, but it gives great insight into what are the best practices for uh, deploying the application, setting the environment, making sure that they're separated in a good way, that they only have the access they need and not more. Because getting things done in an easy way is definitely not what will make you secure later on. Yeah. As an example for that, um, I was working for a company a while ago where they basically run everything in a Linux system as administrator because that was the uh, all their services run as well. And that definitely is not a good security practice. When I asked, why are you doing this? They were like, because, you know, this makes this easier for us. It's in, in our environment. It's protected. We don't worry that anything's going to happen. However, if you go into the last top 10, there's a lot of uh, SQL injections or potential uh, problems might arise, like insecure storage. You don't want to be doing this in production for sure. There's a general misconception as to how people think they're secure because they're right now they're running in what they consider a secure environment. 
and this uh, this setting can definitely change later on, especially when you're deploying in another in a cloud environment. Absolutely. And it's interesting because, and you mentioned on-prem, you know, that's uh, definitely something I've seen companies early, maybe a decade ago, that was, we'd look at servers and building that out. I would say nowadays, you almost need to default to build everything in the cloud. That's probably where it's going to go anyway. Uh, And the cool thing about all of the major cloud providers, uh, Google and uh, Google, IBM even, and Azure and uh, Amazon. Amazon. All of these are, this is, they do it by default. They do security by default. It really is, if you lean into what these huge companies that have all of the world's experts are working for them, trying to figure this out, they figure it out the hard things and it makes it much easier uh, to do and make good decisions as a smaller business and tying that in, tying in DevSecOps practices, which yes, you can do DevSecOps, uh, we actually have a course that uh, we'll make a link available for free that you can get an idea of what the heck DevSecOps is. But it you can do these things by default, even as a small business. One thing that I've had that was really good advice, I think, Nico, so I'd love to hear what your thoughts are mm-hmm. on this. Uh, this is a really good friend of mine. They go in and they're looking and, and helping companies early on and figure out, are they building Uh, good products, but they always ask the question of everyone they've ever consulted with. They asked me this before. In what ways can your app, your system, your idea hurt the world? And really think through, you know, and it's things like, you know, if you're working with children, in what ways can you expose children to bad actors? Or in the data, what ways, what happens if the worst case scenario happens? And I, I like that they do that early on, I like it a lot. They do that early on because it makes you think through and plan for those bad scenarios so that you can avoid them. So that you make sure you're doing something that doesn't hurt the world. Uh, what are your thoughts on that or ways that you've worked with companies through those kinds yeah, of questions? That's a great question. And that's probably the first question you should ask when building a software product, especially in the mobile world, because basically... The answer would be there's so many ways. Are you dealing with user data, which is pretty much you you will have to access some sensitive data. An app that doesn't do anything on your phone is probably not useful if you think about it. So it it will facilitate some sort of it will give you some sort of utility. For example, uh, potentially it would be a messaging app, which means that it will you know enable you to communicate with other people. This would probably want access to your contacts. So. Yeah, you definitely need to think about, am I accessing the contacts in a secure way? Am I making sure that every information that I store is encrypted at rest or it's not cannot be potentially exposed to another application running a device? Because that's also a thing. Applications within your device can communicate with, with each other without you knowing about it. They can share storage, they can share contacts, they can potentially share the permissions, especially if they are developed, if they are distributed from the same developer. So... Yeah, you need to think about all these things. And you also need to think about if I'm declaring some permissions that my app needs to use, some custom permission, am I protecting this from other applications? Am I just, you know, assuming that nobody would know what I'm doing so I'm secure, you know, until I fix it? That's not a good security practice. We've also seen this, unfortunately. And we have also seen this in in applications that are delivered with the app with the phone's firmware which are more privileged than the actual applications that you download from the App Store, from the Play Store or the App Store. This means that these applications are more privileged and you cannot really get rid of them because they're part of the base operating system that you have been delivered. So 
that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say the answer is definitely <laughs> do that, yeah. do that due diligence before printing anything. Yeah, really think through and then always be asking yourself when we're looking at this, if you're product manager, product owner, someone that is helping lead the future of your company, what do I need to be thinking about now? What are those worst case scenarios? How can I mitigate them? First, when we're small, because the way we might mitigate them when we're small might look very different uh, when we're at scale or growing uh, and having that plan of, all right, cool, this is what we're doing today. This is how we're being security first, security focused, security at the very core, what we're doing. Uh, but then what are the things that we want to start adding in? what the tools, the frameworks, the approaches, the people, resources, uh, and how can we lean into kind of industry best practices with that? Um, Nikos, we're getting close. I think we have just a couple yeah. more minutes in our time box. If you were to leave uh the participants this webinar was something what is the single most important thing that you would want to have on people's mind when they leave this webinar well i would say i mean it's not just one thing i will reiterate the fact that make sure you budget for a proper and secure architecture make Mm -hmm. sure you protect all the things that are sensitive in your build workflow using a proper devsecops pipeline access keys that's paramount and for that, you need to have proper role-based access control. This might seem redundant when your team is small, but your team will get bigger, assuming you get things right. So you will need this. So it's good to have this in place from the very beginning. And um, definitely audit your code using either open source, uh, either using the source or the binaries. Definitely do that at the very end. You don't want any nasty surprises down the line. A lot of people have gone down that route and think everything is fine, but it's really not. We have seen it. I'm pretty sure we're going to keep on seeing it in the near future. Yeah, it's it's the worst thing when you're having to trust someone else, trust another company. Maybe yeah. if I were to kind of follow on that, when you're bringing in trusted partners to your startup, you're asking people to help or outsourcing development work, make sure the companies that you are outsourcing to, the partners that you're working with, the software that you're bringing in, make sure that all of it has a clear plan, a coherent plan that's not full of hot air and BS. Have your your advisors, your vendors, and people you're working with give their clear plan on what they're doing to protect your code, to protect their customers, their clients, and more importantly, how they protect your clients and your customers and what they're doing in that. And if they can't give you a good answer and good track record, they can't bring up, here's here are the things that we have in place that we're doing then they're probably not a vendor that you need to be working with. Yeah, I agree. You might have to spend a little more on the vendor, but it's better off spending a little more on someone that knows how to do that than cheaping out up front and having it bite you in the backside in the long term. Sooner Um, rather than later. Yeah, it will bite you. Because the reality is cybersecurity exists because hackers and bad actors are absolutely trying to get every vulnerability they can Mm -hmm. uh and it is a very real threat even to small startups even to small businesses um and it could be the death knell the difference between a large business and a small business surviving a cyber attack is this large business has the resources and the insurance and everything to cover it far too often small businesses don't yeah that's very true unfortunately 
Well, I think that wraps us. Uh, Leanna, I know you wanted to have some follow-up words. Um, Nikos, thank you very much. It's been wonderful getting to know you uh, and getting to know Quokka, which, by the way, Google that. That is the cutest animal on the face of the planet uh, next to my puppy. Uh, I think my puppy might be a little cuter. <laughs> but, uh, uh, thank you for your time and really cool company uh, with really cool work and insight. Thank you for that. Thank, thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure talking with you, as always. Yes, thank you so much. We could easily keep going on this subject, um, but uh, we really appreciate your time. Um, I'd like to thank our phenomenal members, Chris and Nikos, for giving us insight into your experience and your expertise from the small business perspective. Uh, thank you to CISA and the National Cybersecurity Alliance. And most importantly, thank each of you for listening. Uh, we hope that you leave us informed, uh, empowered to elevate uh, cybersecurity awareness and readiness uh, in your organization. <clears throat> Excuse me. Please look out for a recording of this event and additional resources to come. Uh, thank you so much, and we hope to see you again soon. And now it is time for Random Identifier. Anna, you are up first. Okay. Um, my <laughs> Random Identifier this month is um, that one of my favorite TV shows is back on TV for season two, and that Whoa. is Abbott Elementary, which is yes. phenomenal. And it's been out for like a month, so I realize I'm late to the party, but I was in Europe and I couldn't watch it there, so I've been binge watching it <laughs> for the past, like, three days I think all the episodes that have been out and there's only like six or so yet but it's really really good I love it so much it's so funny it's heartwarming um so like mockumentary style you know sitcom about an elementary school in Philadelphia um and yeah it's I feel like the perfect match like perfect mix of being funny while also like addressing some serious issues in like public schools <laughs> like talking about them in a good funny way um yes. but yeah the actors are amazing. The kids are cute. So if you haven't seen it, would recommend watching seasons one and two. I agree. I second your recommendation. It's so good. It's one of the best shows on television right now. Fully agree. <laughs> um, Brad, how about you? What do you have for us? Well, mine isn't nearly as exciting, but I'm going to <laughs> talk about a band that some people are already familiar with, and that's Arctic Monkeys, who just yeah. put out a new album. I I just wanted to commend them for just taking absolute U-turns musically and refusing to uh, be put in a box. You know, they played kind of loud and brash rock music for for a while, and, and their latest couple albums are just so far from that. They feature piano so much more than uh, any sort of guitar or um, really drums even i feel like this has strings and piano and it's it's very creative and experimental and um it's just very cool to see a band decide to go against what their uh successful albums have sounded like in order to conquer new horizons i suppose that's very cool i'm excited to listen to it even though i have not yet i love that band i think their first two albums are genius um all right, Caitlin, you are next. Uh, what do you have for us? Mine is not a, a piece of media to consume. This is more of like a personal update. Um, my niece's birthday was just this past weekend. Oh she goodness. turned one years old. She's such a little nugget. She's so tiny. Her name is Oakley. 
Um, and I, we obviously have like a family group chat going and I named it Oakley fan club. Um, and so in the Oakley fan club group (laughs) chat, there's like a lot of updates, cute pictures, whatever. My sister, it's like the day before her birthday. So she's like 11 months and 30 days old. (laughs) And apparently she did a somersault, which like is something that like three-year-olds do. Um, (laughs) So my sister is convinced that she's going to be an Olympic gymnast athlete. And honestly, so am I. So I'm just here to continue to spread that rumor. The more people hear it, the more likely it is to be true. Um, so I'm just going to continue to further this narrative um, that we do have an Olympic athlete in the family. It's not a rumor. Old. You're manifesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so exciting. As we all know about the membership team's like affinity for the Olympics, I will just say now that I cannot wait to watch her compete. Um, (laughs) I wonder what city it'll be in. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, we've got some time. We've got some time. (laughs) Um, Well, my random identifier is going right back to uh, media that I am consuming, which is that um, I was convinced by a friend to watch um, Supernatural, which is a CW show, which tells you a lot about it. Um, and, uh, it has 15 seasons and I was sure I would get to like the third season and just be completely bored out of my mind. And instead I'm on the 10th season and, and will continue like technically I think it just ended this year. Um, which is particularly crazy because I think it started when I was in high school, um, which was a long time ago, 15 years ago, in fact. So, um, I love hearing about the cameos, so like many. the throwback cameos. They're so good. Oh my gosh. Paris Hilton. Um, Snooki, also known as Nicole. I don't remember her last name. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, so many. Um, of course, now I can't think of more. But those two blew my mind. So they're they're enough. Those two alone. They are enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's some like really great like meta stuff, and it's just like it's absolutely ridiculous. I it it combines all of the things that I love, which is like relatively entertaining storylines, but like also kind of bad. Um, which makes it kind of good. It's just a delightful watch. <laughs> Couldn't recommend it more. And it's a little bit spooky. So um, anyway, Supernatural. Thanks for 15 seasons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, that is it for our Global Tech Swamp. If you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff. And we now have transcripts available. You can find them in our show notes as well as on podscribe.com. Just search TechSwamp. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, we would love a rate review. Five stars only, please. Indeed. And that is all for today, folks. Thanks for listening to this global episode of TechSwamp. Everyone, say bye. 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 bye.